I think I was still working in the gutter business, so while I was working in the gutter business, I would do my real estate school in the afternoon. So I would do gutter in the morning, real estate in the afternoon. Love I it. think all in all, after paying all my dues and everything with the Realtor Association, local local association, national associations, I think in my MLS, my Supra and signs and everything, I think I maybe put in, invested like $1,500 okay. into my license. and. Then I also got to, you know, experience the reward of finally closing a deal. What'd you make on the first house deal for you? Um, I think it was like 5K. I've been in it for two years. <clears throat> What'd you do your first year? 2.5 million um, total closed. In your first year? Yeah, my first wow, year. That's yeah. a big commission check. What was your second year? My second year, I'm still in it. Um, I'm on track to close about 5 million estimated total sales. Welcome back to another episode of Kingdom Heirs, where faith meets business, inspiring kingdom-minded entrepreneurs. Today, I've got the great privilege of interviewing Giovanna Madalone, my second-born daughter, who is also a young entrepreneur. Today's episode is going to be talking about young entrepreneurs, when you should get started, and what route you should go with. So, welcome to the show, Giovanna. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. I am happy that you are here. We were just cutting it up, having a lot of fun before we uh, turned this on. But uh, today is Black Friday. It is the uh, the second day of Thanksgiving for most people because they have a lot of leftovers. Yes. Right? So um, we typically, I typically just go for the candy DMs. Like I'll warm those things up all week long and I will just keep eating candy DMs. Right, because no one else eats them. Because nobody else eats them, <laughs> so it's perfect. It's like my favorite dish. So, Gia, welcome to the show. So, today, we wanted to ask you a little bit about your story. We want to hear more about your story as a young entrepreneur, lady. Why business? How'd you get started? Um, you know, Why real estate? What type of real estate are you in? So, why don't you just cue us in a little bit of how you got started with business, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, okay, so... I think I've always been interested in business from a young age. I think just because growing up in a family of entrepreneurs, you were always telling us stories about how you sold potholders as a kid or how you mowed lawns or had a newspaper out or sealed driveways. And so we grew up, with, I think growing up, I had kind of in an environment of entrepreneurship in business and I think when I was 16, you were like, hey, you should go into real estate. And I went, no. Why did I suggest that? <laughs> because I really wanted to travel and I wanted to have my own house and I wanted to do all this stuff. And you were like- At a young age. Yeah, at a young age. And so you were like, Gia, if you want to make all this stuff happen, then you should go into real estate. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and so- What were you targeting? I mean, this was this is probably when you were what, a junior in high school? We were talking about this? Um, I was like a sophomore. And when I was a sophomore, I think I wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know. I wanted to do something. I wanted to go. You're part of the mock trial team. Yeah. Right? I wanted to go into a different different aspect. I wanted to, to do um, college and do a career. And then um, my junior year, I was like, oh, no, I really want to get a house. I really want to travel. Um, and so I was like, okay, real estate's the best way to do it. Once I turn 18, I'll get my real estate license. And... In the meantime, when I was 17, I, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, it was, it was during COVID and you had just bought a gutter company. And so you said, Gia, you can right. learn how to do business and come work for me. Why did I buy a gutter company? Because 
it was part of buying the land. So I get, you, had okay. to buy, you had to buy land, and the guy said, I only sell it to you if you buy the gutter company, <laughs> along with the land. And so you're like, done. Done deal. Never it, run a gutter company before. I it. never owned a gutter company. Never owned a, a, a seamless, aluminum seamless gutters, right? Yeah. And The guy was, he'd owned it for like 30 years. He was retiring, and he wanted to sell his land, but he also needed to sell his business. And so... You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy both. Why not? And so why you, not? You're like, Geo, you can learn how to run this. And what did we build on that? We built a plaza on we that. We built a yeah. plaza on that piece of property. <laughs> like two years we? later, yeah, yeah. Two years it later. just opened up um, in London. Yeah, this yeah. Past year. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So to the point, I I buy this I buy this business. And I know it's a service business, right? It's got customers, got an active customer list. And I have it comes with no employees, no employees, <laughs> no so. employees. He he handed me a list of of uh, ten different customers that he's like, thank you so much for buying my business. Here's the ten people that I need you to go take care of right now that have been waiting for about a month. And I'm like, ah, this is this is a little crazy. I don't know how to operate this thing at all. And so um, we fumbled our way through the first few installs, figured it out, and then. Giovanna, this was during, uh, was it where school, where you weren't, school was not 100% back in live, or you could do like virtual school or remote school at this point? Is that what was going on? Yeah, we could, you had the option to do hybrid. Okay, a hybrid. And so I emailed my, my emailed my principal and said, can I please do work, work, do school from home? I'm going to do, I'm going to work with my dad yeah. and I'm still going to get my schoolwork done. And so I, for maybe two or three months, I did my schoolwork online, and then I came in and I would, um, I did, I learned how to install gutters. I went on, I cold called for like four hours a day. Why were you cold calling? To get more business. So. Because if you buy a company, then you have to keep the company going. What's really cool is that when we bought this, we had 30 years worth of customer lists. Yes. And I'm like, that's a gold mine right there. All you guys know that that's a gold mine. If you got customer lists, call them. Call them and see if you can... They may have moved. They may need gutters in the new house. The they old may gutters. have like, gotten three fourths of the house done. They need the last fourth done. It was. It, it was, was drumming up business. It was terrifying at first because I, I was too Wait scared to I talk just, to her in the I phone. I just threw you for. in there. What did I do? What was yeah. the good prepping po- point for that? Um, I just here pick up the phone and start calling people. Well, you you did give me a script. I gave you a script. You gave you gave me a script, and then you'd say, "Here, this is how. You, if they pivot, if, you, if they say no." XYZ, you say, okay, and then you pivot and then like say this instead. And we actually won a lot of calls that way. I learned how to estimate. And eventually I started going in the estimates by myself. And <clears throat> sorry. You were closing quite a few deals. I was excited for you. Did I give you commissions for that? I can't remember. Yeah, you'd give me commissions if I closed the deals. Come I think on, I hook them like, up. I think on 17, I sold like, I've probably sold like 200K worth of cutters in one year. When you were 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. Isn't that awesome. And then um, when I graduated in turn 18, I started... Uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you... Sorry, ha- turn 18. Ha- how did this end with the gutter business? What was your... You also helped me buy it, so we acquired it. We acquired you it. helped me launch it, get it up and running, and then what did you help me do? Sell it, yeah. Then you helped me sell it. Why did we sell it, Gia? Why do we sell it? Um, well, I didn't want to manage it anymore. Okay, so when your manager says she doesn't want to do it anymore... <laughs> All right, well then help me sell it. Yeah. And you did. You helped me sell it. Yeah, and it's still going today. Still going today. Yeah. Bentex Seamless Gutters, it's great service, great quality materials. And great people. Great, great family people. who yes. own it, operate it. We are so thankful for that. Wasn't that a blessing? Yes. It was a big blessing. blessing. So but that was a big part of how you helped me 
how you helped me. Yeah. And, and, and in return, it also helped you, right? And it gave me a ton of business experience, a ton of um, just a lot of confidence. I, I think it also laid the groundwork for real estate because real estate is the ultimate sales game. Yes, it is. Um, a lot of players in the game, right? Yeah, it's a very saturated industry, but I mean, so did you? Did the you, saying is true: ninety percent or ten percent of realtors do ninety percent of the deals. That's good. That's, that's a good point. It's a very competitive industry. Very competitive. Mm-hmm. When did you? So you graduated when? You graduated, I graduated high school in 2021. 2021. When did you have your real estate license? Um, by fall of 2020. Yeah, fall of 2021. I had my real estate license. Within three months of graduating, you had your real estate license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was still working in the gutter business. So while I was working the gutter business, I would do my real estate school in the afternoon. So I would do gutter in the morning, real estate in the afternoon. Did you do an online course or did you go yeah, somewhere? I did an online course and then... Um, What'd that cost? A couple thousand bucks? Mm, no, it was like 250 bucks. $250 <laughs> to get your real estate license? Training? And then yeah, take the test? take the test. I did, think how many times did you have to take the test? Twice. Wow. Yeah. Well done. I, I passed. It's like there's two parts to the test. I passed one. I failed the other part by like a point. So I had to like go back. Um, I, I think all in all, after paying all my dues and everything with the... Realtor Association, local local association, national associations. I think in my MLS, my Supra and signs and everything, I think I maybe put in, invested like $1,500 okay. into my license. And then I closed my first deal maybe four months later. What was your first deal? Do you remember? My first deal, um, <clears throat> I had a couple deals in the fire whenever around the time. So I was like, oh, one deal might close, one deal. I don't know. I didn't know which deal was going to close first. I think my first deal was a how I helped um, my cousins buy a house before awesome. they got married. So I think that was the first deal actually that officially closed for me. And that was really exciting. So I got to help them. And then I also got to, you know, experience the reward of finally closing a deal. What'd you make on the first house deal for you? Um, I think it was like 5K. 5,000 bucks. Yeah. How long did it take you to work it? Um, like, a, I think a month or two. 30 days? Maybe 60, 60 days. Maybe 45 days because we had to find the house first and then we got in our contract. And and that was an interesting experience just because we the deal almost didn't close. I remember, and on top of that, I had no idea how to work a Supra lockbox. I still hadn't figured out how to do it. And so I was just like hoping that Get it would in. just open. Come on, just- I didn't understand how to work it. And then eventually, <laughs> like maybe five deals later, I figured out how to open my, those Supra lockboxes. I love it. Um, they're a pain. Some people, I might interject this. Some people think that I'm a real estate um, agent or broker. I'm not. And right. He wanted important. me to get it because he didn't have the time to get it. So I he didn't said, have the interest in getting it. <laughs> but, <he knew laughs> but I have someone, a daughter but he knew who would do should. really well. I knew you would do extremely well in real estate. And I'm like, Giovanna, think about it. Your mom and dad, we buy a lot of real estate. Wouldn't it make sense to be our agent and eventually our broker? Wouldn't that just make sense? And I think I had to run some calculations for you as to what that actually netted in income. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense, Dad. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, it took some convincing. It took some convincing, um, but you've done extremely well. Thank you. Um, but yes, back to the story, the funny story. Um, it almost didn't close. I remember it was like the week of closing. My cousin was like, I really want the keys early before closing so we can start moving in. And I was like, I don't know if that's possible, but I can like, usually it's not they were possible. Trying to time, they were trying to time their wedding was this weekend. She was going to move in, get everything prepped and ready, and then they can move in together. Once right. the wedding happened. So it was like a, uh, as a it, timing thing. Yeah, it was right? a timing thing. And so I call a title company. Oh, title company calls me and says, Gia, um, 
or maybe it was the realtor who called me. Someone called me and said, oh yeah, the seller's realtor is going to put a mechanics lien on this house, so it's not going to close. And I was like, why? What? Why is it? Why are you going to put a mechanics lien? And she, the realtor was like, oh, I, pay, I verbally agreed the seller to do all the renovations out of my own pocket. So she had put $60,000 of her own money into this renovation, into the reno, like remodeling of this house. And it's coming to closing and the seller was refusing to pay her any of the money that she had put into this property and bad seller bad seller i did not tell my cousin i was like oh my goodness like we got <laughs> we just got to work this out like i was like this is like too much how do like, you guys work it out um how'd you negotiate it i didn't i don't think i don't think i had anything to do with it i just remember that like the very last minute the 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 title company was helping the seller sellers be able to negotiate with the seller yeah and so they, the seller agreed to like reimburse her like pay out of proceeds. Yeah, reimburse her like forty k out of the sixty or something like that, or forty five k. I don't know. It was something like it was a deal made. It was a deal made, and so it was able to close. And as we were closing it at the closing table, the title company, the the, the escrow escrow officer, she went. Hey, to my cousin, she went. You know, you're ha- you didn't almost get, you almost didn't get this cat house, and she was like, "What?" And so I was like, "Well, it. it closed. You guys got well, the house." You know what? That's a great point. As a realtor, you're the in between person, and so you absorb as much as you can so that your seller or your buyer doesn't freak out in that process. Right. It's such a nerve wracking experience to buy or sell, right? Because it's yeah. a deal. It's one of the biggest deals anybody will do. the The average person in life, one of the biggest deals they'll ever make purchases is a home. And it's the biggest contract it might be part of. And so it's it's very stressful. It is very stressful. Right? Yeah. Residential I always find to be and I've done I've done residential, I've done commercial, I have my own property management company, I have walked off market deals all the time. So I've done wholesale deals. I've done almost every aspect of real estate you could possibly imagine. Or I know people who have. And I How long have you been in it now? I've been in it for two years. <clears throat> What'd you do your first year? Two point five million um, total closed in your first year. Yeah, my first wow, year. That's yeah, a big commission check. What was your second year? My second year, I'm still in it. Um, I'm on track to close about five million estimated total sales. The majority of that is residential or commercial. The first year was majority was residential. Mm-hmm. Second year is commercial. What's the big difference for you, and why? Why commercial? Um, for commercial, I think it honestly just. I think God just kind of opened the door for me to go into commercial. I originally was like, no way, commercial. Like, that seems like a lot. Isn't that for just a bunch of old guys? Guys and gals? Commercial? Well, commercial real estate? I think I it, always see these guys have been in it for years and years and years. I'm like, you must have gotten started when you were really young. And and they hold the market. It's almost seemed like these, these commercial brokers, commercial uh, agents, like they kind of like hedge the market and it's hard to get in. Right. Yeah. To, they, get, to get into commercial business. I think commercial is... is, is, commercial is um, undeniably way more lucrative. I think it's less stressful because it's more business oriented. You're not really dealing with emotions. You're more dealing with facts, logics, numbers. If you crunch the numbers and the deal works, then it works. Yeah, that's um, good. Well said. And <clears throat> because it's so lucrative and because it's it's considered a more exclusive um, market, I mean, even the CCIM, you need to have, like they have, it's a way more rigorous process to get your CCIM certification. What is that? Um, it's like you're it's just like a, uh, it's like commercial institute or something like that. It's some sort of acronym, but it just means that you have like a lot of experience. Like Richard Harmon and Steve Barber, yeah. they have their CCIM, and it's really hard to get. Yes, um, because you have to go through schooling, you have to have like all these hours, you have to take a really rigorous test, and it's like 
all this stuff. Yes. Um, and also, once people have the market share, they don't want to tell anybody else their knowledge. Of how easy it is. Mm, or how tricky it is. What? I think more... Because think about more it. More teaching them how to do it. Like, commercial, commercial is relationships. Right. Residential is relationships. Right. And right? so it's a bigger relationship. It's a bigger relationship because it's business. It's not personal. It's more business. Right. right. So you're stepping into, you found that it's, it's much more lucrative. And I'm hearing you say it was less stressful. Yeah, it was more less stressful. I think, I mean, because I the still, human element, the relation, it, the, there wasn't as much stress on the. It's less impersonal. It's is that you said it's it's more impersonal. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but I do think that residential, like I still work in residential, and I do think while it is more stressful, it is more rewarding in many ways, like in the human aspects. Like the example, I think that I mean in any aspect of your ministry of your work. You have the opportunity to do ministry. Yes. Like example, one time I was referred this lady. And so I drove all the way out to Bishop, like 45 minutes to go do this listing appointment. This lady had just lost her husband. Like she didn't know what to do. She wasn't on any of the bank statements. So she couldn't access any of the money to pay the mortgage. The bank was going to foreclose on her. Husbands, put your wives on your bank accounts. Yes. Put your husbands, put your, at least as like. A signer. Yes. That's important. Lisa, a signer. Great point. Because this lady, her husband all died money suddenly. Gets, all that money gets locked up. You probate. gotta wait till courts clear the money. Right. Yeah, and it's so crazy. I was in this house of her and she was a Christian, but she was just like lost. She had no family or anything. And so I just prayed with her and like encouraged her. And with the lady who referred me to her, we were helping her go through probate and helping her like call her bank and say, Bank, don't foreclose on me. I yeah. the will's through probate. I would like to pay this, but I can't because I can't access the bank accounts. And wow. well, scary. Yeah, it was really scary. And we did not get the listing. Um, I was going out of town. There just was like some issues. She was she was really emotional and just like, yeah. it was just a hard thing. Yeah. And while I didn't get the listing, I was like, it was still worth it to make that drive and just minister to her and pray with her and, and like help her in that moment. And yeah. I think that makes it all worth it just because you get to have that or get to help people who've just had a baby get into a house and like get into a good spot and it's just, I think that, like the relationships I have built with people. I think you've babysat <laughs> yeah, for some of your customers. I have babysat, yeah. Right? You've done a lot. You've gone out of your way to, just because, like you said, it's relationships. Yeah, and I, and I think every person- Less transactional. Yes, it's very less transactional. So there's way more emotions in it. And you have to be equipped and ready for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to be very empathetic to work yeah. in the real estate industry. And you also have to have a very thick skin just because you can't take that personally. Like if your client, if your your client's freaking out, you can't freak out alongside with. No, them. that's right. Almost yeah. have to be stoic you and just stoic. know, know the course, know the course, know the repetition, know the process. Right. What, yeah. do, what, what do we talk about a lot? I love the fact that you and I get we, we office together uh, at times. Um, and so you'll come together into the office and you'll just be like, hey, what are you working on? Dad, I got this deal. And Gia loves to talk. So you may not get that from this right now, but Gia loves to talk and she'll just share with you her day. And she's just talking and talking and talking. I'm like, well, did you do, do this, this, this and this and this? And she goes, well, I did those three. But I'll try those other two. You sure? I'm like, yeah. So I love to be part of the real estate transactions that you're working on from like an outsider kind of looking in saying, hey, do this, turn left, turn left, go right. <laughs> and and, yeah. and what I found, majority of how real estate deals get done on the timeline that you want them to get done on is there's five people or four people involved in the transaction. You got buyer, seller, loan, got officer, loan officer, title, title company, company, inspections, Inspector, appraiser. Appraiser. Yeah, right? it's crazy. And yeah. usually for appraisers too, like 
I've noticed a trend more of the market with the market shifting and values appraisers have not wanting to have not been wanting to provide reports we're saying the house meets loan value mm -hmm. and so then I as the realtor have to get comps or what I have to get comps yeah and like <clears throat> even if it doesn't matter if well, I'm we the, know the whole market is shifting right now the, the real estate market shifting right and how people can buy houses and who can buy houses and things are things are crazy right now yeah in my personal opinion I think that it's they've been like even like as I, I'm in economics class at one of my, at my college and Texas A&M yeah Corpus. Texas A&M Corpus and even the macroeconomics professor said he said the federal government is doing a contractionary method right now on the economy by raising the interest rates when really they should be doing an expansionary method to fight inflation by lowering interest rates so mm -hmm. actually the Fed is actively hurting our economy right now by yep. raising our interest rates. They're trying rates. to reset the economy. Right. They're trying to reset it, start fresh, and something, do something different. Right. And so by doing that, they push a lot of home buyers out of the ability to purchase a house. Um, what is, what's still good, though, is that they have um, they have combated it in different ways. Like there's been new programs, like example, um, people who rent can now have their um, rental rent payments reported to the credit bureau. Yes, to build to build credit. Now it counts. Used, it used to not count. That's right. Now, the, now if you ask your landlord, it is an extra fee, but if they report it, it is better for your credit in the That's long a run. great thing to do. Mm -hmm. Build credit early on. Yes. How early were you? How young were you when we started building your credit? I was 17. 17. Mm -hmm. I thought that wasn't possible. How'd that happen? Um, well, I have parents who were who cared about helping me and were able to help me build credit. And so I had a credit card you co-signed with me on. and a Secure credit card. Secure credit we card. We put $1,000 down. We went to the bank. We asked them for a secure credit line through a credit card. We put 1000 bucks down. They then released credit based on that $1,000. I was a co-signer with you or maybe mom. I think it was, well, mom also, um, she sold me a car and so I, I think I was 17. You're, she co-signed co 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 with you. you. You were listed on the loan. Right. And she was primary. You were secondary. But every month we made the payment. Yeah, I made the payment. Thank yeah. You. you made the payment <laughs> with that gutter sales. Uh, then yeah. what? And so it, then it, it reported. My, yeah, it reported. it reported. So by the time you turned 18. I was able to, I, I, sold, I traded in the car and I bought my own car with my own loan. No co-signer, no anything. After how many months of making your payments? A year? Less than a year, Less I think. Less than a year. What was your credit score when you were 18? Um, I think 720. 720. Or, yeah, it was like seven. It was in the 700s. You had two, you had two forms of credit, <laughs> right? Yeah. And since so. then, that secure credit card is now obsolete, and now you have a, a regular credit card. Yeah, I think I have like two or three. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing is that we can gear... You know, we can gear our kids in certain directions, our children, so that they can excel out of the gate. They shouldn't stumble the way that we stumbled. You know, mom and I, we we fumbled through the gate and stumbled through the gate. I mean, uh, mom's father was very good. Papa was very good about prepping mom f with credit and making payments. And so out of the gate, she was very strong in that that regard. Right. Because she had the same thing where he helped co-sign for a car, then she was able to buy her own car. And so she wanted to pay it forward. Correct. And I think that's really cool about like generational wealth is like if you have the mindset of we're always going to pay it forward, we're always mm -hmm. going to make sure that... I guess launch. We're launching the yes. next generation. So That's you right. launched, uh, like your her, your parents launched you guys in different ways by giving mm -hmm. you guys financial knowledge and business savvy business sense, right? Yes, that's right? And then you guys launch us and say, hey, let's be like, let's think about this X Y Z. Yeah. And then we can then launch our kids higher and higher, so we don't they don't have to start where we started. That's exactly right. The, to that point, you know, I've I've I came to understand, you know, generational wealth uh, is not 
tied to dollars. We can't think wealth dollars, you know, mm-hmm. just like cash money. We, it's, it's so much more than that. It's the knowledge. It's the, it's the wisdom. It's the insight. And I had this revelation probably 10 years ago is that where, where I, I plateau, wherever I plateau in life, you know, my father was here and he plateaued from his fa- his grandfather. He launched and he did so much better than, than my grandfather which is what my grandfather wanted for my father. Mm-hmm. And my father hit hit a plateau in his life and he just was doing extremely well. And then we launched from that point. And now we're here and we're like, man, we have done extremely well compared to our parents, but thankful for what our parents did compared to their parents, right? And so you now, you and your family, your sisters and your brother will, pl- will launch from our plateau, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then from here, I, there's some people that think, oh no, make them pay their dues, make them start at the bottom. Nobody taught me, help let them just kind of work their way up and eventually they'll hit where I'm at. That is like, that is like not kingdom mind at mm-hmm. all. That's that's like counter covenant mindset. Why do you want to impoverish your your kids, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're and it's, that's you. That's like your line. That's your family. You've just hindered. So if you equip them and give them the knowledge and the power that you have and you've earned, well, that's now you've launched them from here and they're going to shoot forward, shoot forward. And so I think that's to your point what you're describing. Um, that's, yeah. that's a true philosophy to really take hold of, of how you build wealth, generational wealth, and the dollars will follow, right? The income yeah, sources I mean, will follow. As long as you're sowing it well, you right? You sow it well. That's right. Right. And I think that's another good aspect of it, like important aspect. Um, from a very young age, you taught us the importance of tithing. I remember tithing when I was seven years old. Yeah. Like you're like whatever money even your birthday money you get you have to give 10 percent back to the lord and even into real estate i was like okay the very first thing i did when i get my checks it wasn't buy something for myself it was straight off the top that check that check half you know 10 percent is going to be given back to god in whatever way maybe to my church or to a ministry or something but didn't matter didn't matter you don't pay taxes first. You Come pay on. pay your pay your God first yeah. as a thank you. Sow, you. Yeah, you sow in. You sow back in. You're showing back to Him. You're showing Him that what you put into my hands, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to take this and I'm gonna sow back into what's important with you, which is right. community. It's people. Yeah. So, so the local storehouses, the local churches that we're members of, that we're part of, we sow back there so they can continue the ripple effect to reach more people. But you said so. You've been tithing since you were seven, and I know and that's true. Um, in that, you know, your first year, you tithed your first year, mm-hmm. right? Now your second year, you've almost doubled. Right. You've almost doubled. Some people believe that if you give your money away, you lose that money. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Now yeah. you so, but now if you sow your money in, you're going to reap something back, right? right. You're yeah. going to reap more opportunities. There's a, there's a Bible verse that talks about it. When you're faithful with little, you can be trusted with more. You'd be faithful with much, right? Yeah. And so that's the principle of sowing. Do we trust God that we can give money back to him? And that, that's to care for people, right? And do we trust him that he'll then give it back to us, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's the beautiful thing about faith, right? And, and faith in business is so rich. It's so true, right? It can't be compartmentalized with our business and our faith. It's got to be one and the same. Otherwise, we'll always be hitting a ceiling, We'll always be capping ourselves, right? Right, yeah. And I think by by giving, you're actually taking the roof off the building. Ah, there's no limit. Yeah. Wow. And I think like That's wild. And part of it too is like when you're giving, you're putting your boat in the water, right? Because faith takes action. And so by saying, Lord, 
I know you're going to provide for me by giving. You're saying, Lord, you are my provider. Put the wind in my sails. That's good. Um, I, That's good. There's someone, oh, there, I think it was Oral Roberts, kind of controversial guy, but great. He was really used by the Lord powerfully. Yes, he was. And he would say, I think he needed a million dollars. He tied 100K. And he he didn't even have the million dollars yet, but he said like he's like I have to tie because I need a I need big things from the Lord like oh, I gotta give statement. first that's to receive. Statement. Wow! And so I was like I read that and I was like wow okay so if I know I need X Y Z from the Lord, it's not saying it's not a genie. In the it's bottle. not a genie in the bottle. It's not saying oh if I give this, the Lord is automatically going to give me that's X so Y Z. That's right. But if I'm faithful of this now, I know He's going to take care of me. That's right. You at least open yourself up for that opportunity to come and come your way. Yeah. Right? You know, when we're greedy, um, it means that we're, we have fear. Yeah, because you're, you're holding on to something. Because you're holding on to something. Tight. Right. When we're supposed to be like this. But when you're generous, it means you have no fear because you know who your daddy is. You know who your spiritual father is. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's 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 huge. How have you, how have you leveraged what you do and what you've chosen for your career at this point? At this point, how have you leveraged that to help you fulfill your purpose in life, which you know your purpose is? Right. Everybody has a different purpose in life, but I think the first purpose is to know God and to be known by God. Mm-hmm. That's true success, to be known by God, right? Yeah, I believe that. And through that, how have you used what you're doing right now to help you accomplish what you want to do in life? Yeah, so I definitely think that my journey with the Lord has been like shifting my desires to be His desires, at least in this season and the past year or two. And using real estate, I wanted to be able to travel to do ministry and I wanted to basically be financially secure that I could pay all my bills. And I guess and there's nothing wrong with asking other people to sow into your ministry. But for me personally, I didn't want to have to ask anybody to sow into my ministry. If they wanted to give, yes, that was fantastic. And I- You wanted to self-fund the work that you were going to yeah, do. Yeah, I wanted to self-fund. You call that a tent maker. Paul was a tent maker. <laughs> Peter, they were tent maker, they were fishermen. Yeah, they, and they they created wealth and for themselves, and they were able to fund what they were doing. And I don't think and other a, people gave to the ministry as well. Right. But I don't think there's anything wrong with principle that. wise. But yeah. for me, I wanted for me personally in that season, I wanted to be self funded, and so um, I really wanted to go to England to do this discipleship training program for healing deliverance prayer ministry because I really wanted to just pray for people and see them yeah. delivered, see inner healing, and see God work for them powerfully in their lives. And I really want to be a part of it. Yeah. And so. I was like, Lord, I'll go do this if you give me X, Y, Z in my savings account. And I was like thinking, okay, in this- (laughs) Is that a a fleece? Would you say that's kind of a fleece? Yeah, I guess it was kind of a fleece. Because you felt called that way, but then you're like, but if I truly am called that way, then- Well, in that point when I made that, I like literally, for my New Year's resolution, I wrote on a piece of paper, I signed it saying, if I have X, Y, Z in my bank account, I will go. And it wasn't like, my thought was, oh, it was like maybe 20, 30K or something like that. And I was like, okay, if I get like 20K in my savings, like I'll pay I'll pay for the program out of that 20K. I like that. I wasn't you're, even you're thinking. You 19 at that time? Yeah, I was 19. No, oh. I think I was 18. 18, I think, 20K yeah. in your account? I was like, that'd be fantastic. Oh my goodness. I was, I, I was like, I it was like I, my When I was 18, I, was like, I made 20. No, I didn't When have, I was 18, I made $23,000 that year when I was 18. I no, $20,000 that year. I well, think I made, made 25,000 when I was 22. What? I love that. Well, this is a while ago. When I well, when I did, I'm not that old. When I did say ago. like when I when I had wrote that, I didn't have 20k in my account. I was like, I had like way less than that, and I yeah. was like, oh, this would be like an if. And then I like finished the year, 
I paid for LL, I paid for the LL, I paid for the program, and I had way more than twenty k in my account, and I had already paid for it. I already lived my like I I lived like I, you know, yeah, you're paying your bills, paying my bills, car, like and everything. And I was like, wow, okay, payment, like phone, all that stuff. When you do something that is ordained by the will of God. It really is it his. It. it really is his bill. He's gonna provide for it and give you money left over. What's that over. saying? What's that cool saying? His will, his bill. What yeah. What does that mean? I mean, it's basically, if it's what his I will just for your said, life, he's gonna pay for it. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna provide a way to pay for it. Either self-funded or through the the blessing and other other people sowing into you. And I love that. It's been really fantastic. So I just. Um, so you haven't been locked to a desk. No, I haven't. I've I've traveled. A ton. Um, Were you, when you were traveling, you're still doing deals. Yes, I actually was. Yeah, when I was traveling, even this past summer, I I had started a property management company. So I was I was thankfully got opened the door for someone to um, help me manage my help manage the properties while I was gone. Mm-hmm. I was still closing deals, writing emails while I was gone. Um, so I came back and yeah, I was still. I love that. Yeah, it's powerful. It's really powerful. There's yeah. so many different avenues that people can take, real estate is one of them, where they can still be free. And some people think, well, if I just, if God just changed this or that, then I can, then I'd be able to do that. Then I'd be able to serve. But sometimes, if, you know, if you have a heart to travel or heart that, that involves traveling or being more mobile, mm-hmm. then, then choose something that allows you to do that, but do it well, do it faithfully, right. Right. right? And be faithful with what you do receive, whatever income you do make with it, be faithful to give back first that tithe, the 10% is 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 nothing compared to the 90% that you get to keep right to produce more with right but that 10% is seed money that can grow in 100 times right 1000 times and i think the tighter you grip for your money the more you'll feel convicted to give it all mm, that's good because if you've made made money to be that stumbling block to where you can't the idol yeah money maybe. money can can be set idol, up as an idol or yeah. not even an idol just like the reality of life that we have so many bills we have all this stuff that just seems like overwhelming yeah, like true. how how could you like how could you not but then i think the tighter you hold on to it the more the lord is like no you have to give it and so willing to let it go. if we're willing yeah. to let it go from the very get go then it, instead of it being like this huge huge overwhelming obstacle instead it can be something that you joyfully partner with the lord to give and i think that is really powerful I think there's, um, I once received it like this, you know, if a money, money, wealth, uh, income as it flows in, you know, it should flow through our hands like this. It shouldn't flow through like this where you cap it, Don't right? Cap it. Don't stop the flow. Don't let it be the dead sea. Let it be a river that flows through you and that yeah. flows the, the income, the resources will flow. And as it touches us. We do what we need to do for our families. We take care of our families, provide well for our family. um, Sow into the local community, the the local church, get planted, find a good church you love, and and sow, volunteer, serve. um, And then in that, you'll see, you'll reap a network Mm -hmm. of community around you that will help you in what you do. Right. Uh, Let people know what you do. Don't be forceful about it. Just let them know what you do and, and how you can serve them with what you do. It's very important. But then allow those extra resources to flow through into ministries, uh, into caring for people who are hungry, just whatever it is, whatever it is. But then truly believe that that he who lends to the poor lends to the Lord uh, and the Lord will always take care of us, right. especially those who do good things on his behalf. I think that's the powerful statement in what we do. And when we learn it from a young age and then you practice it and practice it and practice it, it becomes like an easy motion. 
right? Yeah. And then as you see the ripple effect, it, it becomes even greater, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm because our God, uh, one of our pre- previous uh, episodes with uh, Ken Bell, he says our God's not into addition; he's into multiplication. Right. Yeah. Super powerful. I love that. Right. Super powerful. What do you think that um, you know? Looking at uh, your trajectory, where you're at, you're you're 20 years old. You'll be 21 next year, right? Yeah. Soon to be 21. Um, you know, with your with your focus in life. Where do you where do you see where do you see yourself in five years, and and what what navigational points do you think you got to hit in order to get there? Um, it's a good question. Kind of vulnerable question, but I figure I'd ask. Come well, on. I think the irony to that is that I used to have a five year plan and now I don't. <laughs> okay, this is good. That's really um, important. Most people have a five year plan, right? Right, and then I realized that. If I want to have a five-year plan, then I'm trying to make things happen in my own own way, and I'm making, I'm saying, okay, and X, Y, Z. It always, I was, I had a five-year plan until I read James, where James said he was like, he was in the book of James. It was like talking about these people talk about, oh, in a year's time we're going to be in X, Y, Z city, and we're going to make a profit, blah, blah, blah. But he's mm-hmm. like, but that's not what the Lord wanted wow. for them. And so I was like, oh my goodness. If I say in XYZ, I'm going to be here, I'm making XYZ, and I'm going to be doing XYZ, Yeah. but that wasn't what God wanted me to do, then I was working in vain, right? And so... He says, if if what? If the builder, oh, the builder right, if the, if, the, if the Lord does not build the house, then the builders build in vain. And yeah. so if we build our life without the Lord, we are building in vain. That's right. right? I, know that, I think that scripture verse, scripture verse also says, um, rather say... If the Lord wills it, if God wills it right. for this to happen, well, then you could be moving in that direction. Otherwise, yeah. it's truly in vain. So yeah. if God wills it, right, I, um, I'm going to continue doing real estate in whatever fashion, whoever he puts in my, li- my life for me to help them mm-hmm. work a deal. Yeah, I am open for it. I'm game on for it. Um, and then I also want to keep on. I want to keep on serving in my church. I want to keep on praying for people. I want to keep on going on mission trips yeah. um i'm do you, planning. A, do you have a couple more do you have anything planned up in this coming year what do you got um not for this year but i'm hoping for next year to go to kazakhstan and i'm partnering with isn't that uh, russia it's in central asia it's, close to russia it borders china and it borders russia oh my goodness wow yeah so we'll be going with a mission organization called flame international where we they part they equip the local church in, church leaders in that area in different areas, um, like South Sudan, um, Armenia, and to be example, um, DRC, and now Kazakhstan, and we'll be praying with people, teaching them healing deliverance principles from the scripture, and it's going to be really exciting. That's powerful. Yeah, so that is the plan. You were just in Africa a couple months ago. Yes. You were in England a couple months ago. Yes, so we were in South Africa. We might go to South South Africa again next year, but this past summer I was in South Africa, preaching the gospel, laying hands on people and feeding people it was it was fantastic yeah we did three different countries yeah. in 12 days three different countries we had yeah. revival set flame to south south africa mozambique swaziland that yeah. was awesome it was fantastic what a cool yeah. moment where just feeling led knowing that you're led to go meet with people that have been faithful for years right people we've known for years yes and um, they wanted us to come back. We wanted to come back and say, well, you know, when we go back this time, let's let's be focused on revival because we feel revived. 
you know, revival is just, you know, when, when, when you see God working, working in you and your business, you see God working with you in your, in your home and your family life, you know, you, you start to get excited that God's alive. God, God is here and, and he's present. Right. And, and, you know, for so many people, God feels so distant, it feels distant, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason why God is distant is because we're distant from God. Right. And I think revival is really people just seeking the presence of God. Mm. But the reality is it of, of revival is that you can have revival every day if every you're just day. seeking the presence yes, of God. Yes, right? absolutely. So. It's so true. And so it's it's best, you know, I, we found, I found that it was just exciting to be part of uh, where people were showing up wanting to encounter uh, Yahweh, you know, the great I am, yeah. you know, the Lord. So powerful. And to be present with you, your sister, uh, Michaela was with us. We had a, we had a team of, of local pastors and ministers, uh, that were doing mission trips in their own country and then traveling right. to other countries. They had never done that before. And so we got to be part of that. What a cool experience. Yeah. It was so awesome. And, and we get to fund those things too. I mean, like that's the fun part too, that they have programs, they've got things. I know we have some videos on, um, that we can share, uh, on our page and kind of let people know, like there's different things that, that are going on that, that we use our resources to be part of not just locally, but, but, but across the other side of the world, right? because yeah. we can reach those areas, uh, and we can, we can be part of those blessings, right? Cause it's a blessing. Uh, I learned early on that I wanted to be part of um, what God was doing. And I knew if I wanted to be part of it, I couldn't physically be there. I could send some some money because it took me a lot of energy and effort to create the money that I had. And whatever little dollar, it was a hundred bucks. I was like, oh, there's something going on. These people are going to go on this trip and they're going to be part of something. Well, let me just help pay for something. Right. I want to be part of that. Yeah. I want to be part of the blessing because that somehow those guys are going to reap a blessing because they're putting themselves out there. They're going to go be vulnerable and they're going to go uh, just represent doing good for God. Right. Right. And and I just wanted to be a part of that. So a little bit goes a far way. And then I get to reap. Maybe the way I reap it is another opportunity, a business deal, yeah. uh, another customer that comes on. We're like, wow, this is great. This just kind of came out of the blue or did it. Right. Maybe who knows? You mean there's no there's no coincidences with God. That's Everything right. is ordained. So, yeah, so I mean, well technically speaking, then even our trials are ordained by the Lord because we're supposed to yes. learn something. We're supposed to grow through, through the hardships. That. Yes. And not saying like, obviously, like, you know, if someone someone your loved one dies or like that. Not saying it's that it's hardship. Right. Yeah. And it's a trial. But but even in there's that. still it was still ordained by the Lord in some way because there's going to be some sort of good that comes out of That's it right. because he works all things for good for, for those, those who love him and yes. are called according to his purpose. Woo, I love that. And I think on that as well, like we can be on a mission trip every single day. Right. And we right don't here in our to, town. Right. Right and, here in our neighborhood. It's a mission. Yeah. And that can so be well as simple said. as just loving on someone That's and smiling at someone right there. because we live we live in a state of apathy where people don't care. People don't want to look up. like even I think I'm guilty of this, too, where people don't yeah, even want to look are. up from their phones. Yeah. Just make eye contact with someone at the cash register Come on. when. That's a moment we, right there. Yeah, that could we, be a God moment. Right. We have the God moment to just smile at someone and say, I like your shirt or you, you know, you, you are loved. Yeah. God are, loves you. Smile. Jesus loves you. I right. mean, seriously, that little we moment right there yeah, is, is rich. It's rich. Yeah. Cause we never know where that person's at right there in that moment. They may be on the other side, ringing you out at the cash register, just praying internally, praying, asking God, where are you? How come this world is so cold? I want to see you. You don't know. We never know. And then there we are, you are, and you're like, you know, I just want to tell you that God loves you. Right. And they're like, oh, he sees me. 
Yeah. It's huge. It really is such a small thing that's so big. It is. It could change the, the trajectory of somebody's life. It's so Because you don't know where that person's at. You don't, you don't know where they're at. Contemplating what? Right? Suicide, right. drugs, what? What? And I think that's the powerful point of where we live intentionally each and every day in our work, in our work, in our, in our daily routine, if we truly live on mission, living on mission right. is huge. It is so rewarding. It is so rewarding. So, gee, as we wrap this up, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you got a lot going on. Today's Black Friday. Are you going to go shopping? No. <laughs> uh, I don't go shopping either. <laughs> uh, I am going to go shopping on Monday because Big Lots is going out of business here. One of their stores right. is closing. <laughs> On Greenwood. By the time this airs, and people I am gonna, won't know about it. It's okay, but <laughs> I'm gonna go. It. But I'm gonna go show up, and I'm gonna go buy uh, some things that we can stock up on. But uh, that's the extent of my Black Friday, uh, Cyber so Monday. No, I don't know what day that is. Anyway, good know. Monday. Uh, but yeah. gee, thanks so much. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. I love the fact that I get to be your dad, and that uh, and that I'm still a young guy that I can live life with you, uh, and see how you continue. Um, to blossom and bloom and and how you continue to reach people and you're wherever you go you're just reaching people um, with with love it's just it's not a message other than just love right right yeah and I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here and I think like that is so true like if, I, if any takeaway from this is that you could have all the money in the world but you don't love it's nothing right That's right and so we could go to we could go on 50 million mission trips but if we don't love when we're home, we don't love when we're there. Come then on. don't even bother don't going go on the mission trip. If you aren't going to love people at home, don't bother going anywhere, yeah, right? That's so like, true. But, but love starts today. Love starts with forgiveness, right? Knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you can forgive others, right? Because that's what keeps people closed off from love, right? right. Yeah. Um, is unforgiveness. But um, so great message. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I pray that this is an encouragement uh, for those of you who have listened. Uh, just remember, Giovanna is 20 years old. And uh, as a young entrepreneur, uh, this is what it can look like for people who have a, have a heart that's just been consecrated to the Lord, uh, that, they, that they truly believe that no matter what they do, they are here to represent and to know who our God is. And so quality service is birthed from that. Um, and so I'd say, you know, we're all called to be servants in, in every aspect of our lives. And um, so I think we just got to represent, uh, see a little bit of that with Giovanna. So uh, if you've liked what you've seen today, uh, I'd ask that you would, would that you would like, subscribe and ring that bell. If you notice something different about today's episode, <laughs> I would ask that you would write the comments down below. There was something in the room that was completely different today. Uh, I didn't mention it until now, but if you noticed it, go ahead and hit it down, down below in the comments. Uh, I can't wait to read those. Guys, thank you again for taking time to meet with us. Just want to say God bless you and have a great day.